Welcome to the Super Fantastic Nerd Hour. It's episode 16. We're talking reboots. This is Alima 2. And H.A. Conrad. Welcome to the episode. We've got um, a cool crossover today. What are we talking about today, Conrad? Well, today our overall subject matter is about reboots and the subject of reboots. So our crossover chamber is going to be The Amazing Spider-Man from 2012 versus X-Men First Class, which was 2011, I believe. I believe. So two... Two reboots that have sequel stuff coming out this summer, and we're going to be sharing our top five reboots at the end of the episode. So, um, welcome, listeners. Uh, so, reboots. I think this topic came up after we were dis- after we had our summer movie preview, and you and I were kind of talking about how many um, how many new reboots we have coming up this summer, like Godzilla, and some that we're very excited for. And some we're not as much excited for, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I was just about to say that. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's where this conversation started, is what are reboots? Why do they happen? All that kind of stuff. So, Conrad, how do you define a reboot? Well, I have probably not quite as strict of a definition with a reboot. and I, And I guess you could kind of say my definition of reboot in some ways straddles the idea of a relaunch. Um, But generally my idea of a reboot is when you're rebooting the same canon characters of a story and some elements of that storyline. And you might twist them into something a little bit different, but generally the basics of the storyline and the characters are there. Um, People, the creators can probably make them into a little bit something else and maybe make their storyline sometimes do something a little bit different, but the basics of the character has to be there. So the core element of the character, the thing that right. is that that you know about the person, that appeals to you about the person, that is still there, but other elements have been changed. So or of the franchise, I guess. That's, okay. Um, and you know, and I and we we chatted a little bit about this subject, um, and we've chatted about it before, and and not to to pull you into it, but I know that there's been. Um, but I'm going to anyway. Um, uh, but I know that there's been a lot of discussion and there was a lot of debate, for example, when Star Trek, the the, the next generation mm. was announced. Some fans just went crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love talking about this subject. Um, uh, Larry, Dr. Trek Nemechek and I have this discussion a lot and he he talks about how. Um, a lot of the reaction that people had to the J.J. Abrams movies and the the rebooting that happened there, the quote-unquote rebooting, he says, look, Ollie, this is some of the same reaction I saw when Star Trek The Next Generation came out. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are like, there can never be another captain of the right. Enterprise. Kirk is only captain. And I think this sort of blends a line between what's a reboot and what's a relaunch because you did have an Enterprise, you did have a captain, you did have a doctor, you had a new science officer, you had a Klingon on the bridge of the Enterprise. So some similar elements, but some things that have been changed. But even there from that first episode, you had um, um, Leonard, not Leonard Nimoy, I'm sorry, but you had the character of Bones, of Dr. McCoy. He was in the first uh, first episode with DeForest Kelly, the original actor, playing as him. So there's a tie-in to what came before. And so, like, how do we... 
And, and, you know, similar with Star Trek 2009. Leonard Mm -hmm. Nimoy is in that role playing Spock Prime, the original Spock. And there's a way you can scientifically think of that this is a separate universe, a parallel universe has been created, which Star Trek has done. There's been the the mirror universe that kind of goes on alongside the original universe. Well, and Star Trek likes to do that a lot. In in every television show, there is some parallel universe episode or theme. Yep. I'm specifically thinking of Deep Space Nine. They have like several episodes with that. Yeah. Voyager does as well. Voyager's got Year of Hell. There's these two episodes that basically like kind of never really happened by the end of it. Um, So what's, what's the difference there between a relaunch like something like Star Trek The Next Generation versus like a reboot, which some argue Star Trek 2009 is because now you have new actors playing these roles and you have some um, some departures from where the storyline is. For example, Vulcan is no more. Right. What's the separation between relaunch and reboot? Or does it even matter? I don't know that it even matters. I mean, I think generally with the idea with these things... Um it's I mean, when I when I think real reboot, I'm thinking Hulk, the the several movies that came out and it was suddenly like and it was in quick succession. So you had Ang Lee's Incredible Hulk. Yeah. And then and that was, you know, it was what it was, <laughs> uh, you know, and I love him. I do love him. Um, it. it, it it was a hard thing. There were and some interesting things about it. Though I liked how Ang Lee was trying to do these multiple panels as if it is kind of like a comic. Yeah, some of that the story, some of the storytelling was definitely um, was definitely interesting. And Eric Bana, I thought, was actually a pretty good uh, Bruce Banner. Yeah, but then a few years later, they were like, "Okay, let's do this again." Yeah. And so it was again an origin story and. And obviously, we've seen this with Spider-Man. We've seen yeah. this with Batman. Yeah. Um, and it's, Edward Norton it's, stepped into the role, whole new person. Um, and it's it's basically rehashing the characters and their storylines, and maybe telling that storyline a little bit differently, but generally keeping the crux of it. Uh, well, so together. you you mentioned Batman, which makes me think of. Um, if we look at the movie series, boy, is that a, a wibbly wobbly journey. Right. You've got Tim Burton doing the first two uh, with one actor. You've got Batman, um, Batman Forever, which brings in Val Kilmer now, who's the new actor, and Joel Schumacher doing this. But it's still kind of considered to. But Alfred is still played by the same actor. Right. And then you've got Batman and Robin, which was horrible. And then you've got Batman Begins, which is a whole new crew. So you know what. What this discussion is making me think is it doesn't really matter what we label it. Um, what matters more is, um, I think what what you were getting at is, is the spirit of the original character or is the spirit of the universe there? Right. And when I think about a, um, a relaunch, a reboot, a requel, whatever we want to call it, in some cases a prequel, um, to me the big question is if we're revisiting a character or a storyline or a universe, is it true to the original spirit? And are we charting some new and interesting territory? Right, because it's kind of boring if you're just doing a blow-by-blow blow remake. And um, Psycho is a good example That's of exactly this. That's exactly what I was going to think, uh, Was that what I was going to say, yeah. Uh, which basically, they they did the, the reboot of this, and instead of doing anything new whatsoever, they did everything 
every single scene redone every single line was the same they changed like one thing like there was a like a walkman or right. something right um, but like the that. but and obviously the actors were different yeah. but everything other than that was the same and even when i heard about it i was really bothered by it because it's just okay go ahead and remake this and i know it's hard to touch anything alfred hitchcock has done and make it more successful but this is not doing anything new. And I have to say, I think Alfred Hitchcock would have been pissed. I, I don't think he would have been happy about yeah. this kind of a reboot. And I think maybe he would have been enjoyed the fact that, although I did hear he was a bit of a control freak, um, but <laughs> maybe he would have been happy about the fact that his film inspired something even more scary or, or you know, suspenseful. Um, so why, why do things like this happen? The Psycho reboot um, and remake, that's probably more of a remake, but whatever. Again, I, labels doesn't really matter. But they revisited this source material, remade it. Why do people reboot? Movies revisit and revisit. Well, I mean, I honestly think that the characters that are created or the stories that are created are beloved by so many people and they have a huge fan base. I think part of why we are seeing so many of these, especially of late, is unfortunately for, I think, for monetary reasons. I think, especially when you're seeing. Um, and this isn't this doesn't just go for for reboots and remakes. It also goes for just general new movies and revisiting different things is that the company, the movie companies want to make money and they know that there's a built in audience. And I think especially for this is my theory, especially because we see so many sci fi horror and um, fantasy films being remade um, and comic book movies is that. All of these things, people know that nerdy, geeky people really love their nerdy, geeky content. And <laughs> they know that even if they make a terrible movie, we are all going to go and see it. Yeah, and- well, that's you're you're right. You know, you're speaking to um, uh, th- this whole idea of a guaranteed audience. And we, we spoke about that in our summer movie preview and why the blockbusters exist. Um, there is a guaranteed audience. You know, butts are going to sit in those chairs. And so there's there's a money reason. And-, and, and honestly, if you make a really good film, I know it's definitely true for me. If I really, really like a film, I'm going to see it more than once. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think that I am alone in that yeah. <laughs> in that camp. In ter- I think I saw Star Trek at least two or possibly three times. I think yep. at least two in the well, theater. And um, but I, I, I saw Casino Royale a couple of times. Me too. I loved that reboot. And that's a great example of a guaranteed franchise, which has a large fandom, which spans a wide, a lot of different generations. And is a franchise that is in some ways reboot rebooted with new actors, sometimes with the same actors as, as you saw with, um, uh, M, right. Mm-hmm. The character of M was played by the same actor. Right. Um, and, and then things change. And that's a great example of, of some of the, th- some of this, but then there's also other reasons to reboot, I think as well. Uh, one of the things that we see is um, maybe the studio doesn't want to pay for the actor anymore. Maybe or maybe something happens to the actor. True. Um, and, and, you know, it may also it, it could also be to introduce it to a new, especially when you see see older storylines and in, in movies, especially movies that are perhaps were made in the 70s. Superman, sure. for example, um, yeah. is, is the one I'm thinking of. But um 
uh, you want to introduce these characters to a new audience and you know that their parents are now old enough to have, you know, you know, that people may be old enough to have kids and maybe want to reintroduce their kids to yep. this stuff. Or It's kind of like what we were talking last week on uh, the Harry Potter episodes. There's many pathways to get into Harry Potter. And for a franchise to be financially successful, new audiences need to keep coming in. That makes me think of, you know, like, like Doctor Who. There was issues with um, the first Doctor, the actor. He was getting a little bit older. They wanted for various reasons, a new actor to come in. Well, he was so, also, he had a lot of health issues he had some too. Health problems. So it was getting very hard for him to do the show. And honestly, I, I don't know that they, they weren't sure what they were going to do. And then their solution was the most genius solution ever. in all of, um, <laughs> in all of science fiction, this whole idea. Well, why don't we just build in the idea of regeneration? Right. And the doctor can become a new person, but still be the doctor or still have some of the attributes. Attributes of still the have the memories, but have a new personality and a new appearance, which was genius well, and still continue the storyline. Right. And it, it may be one of the most genius ideas because basically every doctor is a reboot. Every it's doc- a reboot abs- of the I, totally. series. And it's it's really especially and now the, the series um, has rebooted now. In We're the, waiting for this new Doctor. Right, yeah, and the 12th, um, the 12th Doctor. And actually, this is where the Doctor may have his luck run out because he's supposed to only have um, a certain number of regenerations. I think he's going to bring back Gallifrey and be awarded more regenerations. Maybe, I think that's maybe. what's going to happen. This may be happening. But, but, but overall, what a genius idea because you keep the story fresh. Yeah. You're, you're, you're bringing in new characters and each character gives his own special little something to that generation of the Doctor. This is where some people might have a debate about, well, actually, is that actually considered to be a reboot? And I don't think it really matters. I think it is. It's an element of rebooting while being able to maintain the continuity and the canon while making the show continually fresh for a new audience. And that's why it's gone on for so long. And, you know, in in this instance, I mean, maybe you like some doctors and you don't like other doctors and that's fine, too. And I, you know, certainly have my favorites. But um, I, I think that that's the best way to do it is where you are trying to refresh the story, but keeping the canon elements, keeping the heart of the matter, so to speak. Yeah, and that that also gets to some of the other ideas about why things are rebooted. And I think there is a weight to the canon that sometimes makes it incredibly difficult for new people to get in. And we see this very much with comic books. Mm-hmm. It becomes very difficult to uh, for new people to get into a comic and understand all the old plot lines. And sometimes comics kind of evoke the old plot line and they're like well that reminds me of this time when you were fighting Sabretooth right and there, there might be like an asterisk and a footnote like and X-Men issue, is well. probably one of the guiltiest <laughs> yeah, yeah, they of do these. it all the time they yeah. do it all the time there are so many universes of X-Men <laughs> Oh, so, so many, <laughs> so hard to keep together. And DC and Marvel have done these big epic reboots. New Fifty Two. The New Fifty Two is a, the best example of that. And uh, t- maybe some could argue Civil War was trying to shake things up a little bit, but New Fifty Two is a complete reboot, definitive epitome of a reboot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and reactions have been mis- mixed to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and some storylines work, some don't. Um, it's you know, I was very excited when it first came out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's there's some really good stuff in there, but it's, you know, and again, it's to basically 
I think that this, especially the way it's drawn, the way it's written, I think it's to draw in a very different audience and to get a new audience buying comic books, whether online or in stores. Um, and, and sometimes it leads to a bit of nerd rage. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I, I've, I've written about this topic before about how um, people get really invested in the things that they love. <laughs> and when they feel like they might be wronged in some way by these changes and the things that they've invested in, are in some way going away, a lot of nerd rage can come up um, with reboots, with relaunches, well, with actually, or revisiting. And, and just with making new movies, I'm thinking I'm thinking of Captain America specifically because he the uses... The first Avenger or Winter Soldier uh, or the, the comics? First, the first Avenger specifically because he uses guns a lot and that uh, is not something yeah, that generally yeah. was happening. And I know that that caused a huge amount of ra- outrage yeah. for a lot of reasons, obviously, yep. on... on from fans and and um, so there's things like that that I think go on, um, and sometimes people I think when they when they feel like there's a certain attribute or a certain storyline that is canon to that just just absolutely vital to that character, when something changes, they just lose it. Yeah, like blank would never do this, right? Right. Um, Spock would never, um, um, Spock would never yell out, "Con!" Um, <laughs> Captain America would never use a gun, um, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I think the, that kind of gets at what you and I were talking about with when a uh, when a reboot works is is it true to the to the characters to the universe to the core, and is it um, is it exploring a new direction? And sometimes there's a little bit of conflict between those two goals. Um, one more reason I was thinking about why reboot is like if the previous episode or in, uh, in uh, version of a thing has failed. Right. Well, <laughs> that yeah. makes me think of Batman and Robin or Star Trek Nemesis. Or I can go on and on about so many. When canon got to a point where it was stale, where it wasn't making money, where they're just recycling, throwing around old ideas. Everyone makes fun of Star Trek Into Darkness, but rewatch Star Trek Nemesis. It's a total wannabe <laughs> Wrath of Khan totally done like worse. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. So, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of good reasons to reboot and some there, that there I've is, been excited and, about. And the other thing I would say is that the reason why... The fans, i.e. us, would go (laughs) and see these reboots and want to go and see these reboots is because you're always fascinated by these characters. You have a love for these characters. And for me, anyway, I want to see what the director, what the writer does that is new. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. you know what? Maybe it fails, but I still want to see what happens. And I also want to, if there is nerd rage involved, I want to be, I want to have those conversations and talk yeah. about what worked and did it. That's what nerds do. Totally. That's um, what this whole podcast is about. That's why we created an infinite <laughs> right. crossover chamber. You know, so Conrad, what do you think about this criticism of, well, uh, reboots are just evidence that uh, Hollywood has run out of any fresh ideas? Well, I do think that there is some truth to that. I do think that there has been an, enor- an enormous reliance on on older material and on material that we're just going to basically recut and and put out in a new package, um, and I and I have liked some of the things that have come out, but man, you know, there's certain things that I just have been so disappointed in, and you know, um, Transformers is is the one of the biggest things that comes to mind. I know that you know, I think it was so cool, like 
probably like everybody who loved the Transformers cartoon and had the action figures when we were growing up. Um, when I saw the first trailers for those, I was so excited and it just, they just destroyed it. And, and same thing with GI Joe. And again, these aren't, <laughs> these aren't reboots in the strictest sense because there, there, there was never a live action transfer. It's, it. Yeah. Um, but it's the same idea as like revisiting these source materials and, and basically making it to something else. And, um, I just felt like those perhaps were specifically geared toward money-making, um, and didn't handle it correctly. And I also think that that's part of it is that you want to know that the creators of those reboots absolutely are handling that with love and have a sense of honoring the canon, honoring the canon, or just at least honoring the franchise. Yeah. You and, know and I know that people had issues with Watchmen at the live action um, film for a lot of reasons. I think the director's cut is a lot better. Um, but I can't say, you know, I, I do think that, that Zack Snyder loved that book, loved that graphic novel and tried to make it such. Um, it, so, I, so I got a theory about this. I think what we're seeing, I, I definitely agree that there's been a, a huge reliance on a lot of established properties and mm -hmm. reintroducing them. I think the reason we're seeing that is because, number one, a lot of people who grew up with 80s culture are now at a point where they're um, they're in that target demographic that hard Hollywood wants to target and they have children and there's families and people want to people kind of want to use the love and nostalgia the stuff we talked about in our Ready Player One episode to revisit these established properties that might not cost as much money to now like own and reboot True. and get the kids into it too. So I think there's a bit of synergy there that's happening. Um, I think that's that's number one. And I had a number two, but I'm forgetting it now. <laughs> but I, I think a lot of it has to do with, oh, the number two was what we saw in the 80s was an explosion of pop culture, an explosion of toys, of marketers targeting children for the first time. So there's just a lot of properties to pull from from that right. era. And we're seeing that now with Ninja Turtles and all that. Well, and, and she answered your question again, just I don't think I answered it fully. I, I do think that some of this reliance is a cop out by Hollywood and by the studios, because I do think if you look at the amount of content that people are creating out there, people are more creative than ever, in my opinion. Yeah, that's true. And the the number of interesting stories and, and other things that have not been tapped into, I think could be limitless. And I do think that we've become these um, I, I think a lot of the Hollywood films have just become a bit tired and stale on the storyline. I mean, where like you're you're not just rebooting one comic book movie, you're rebooting two, so Hulk, Spider Man, <laughs> like and and you know while of course I love Fantastic to see these Four. Fantastic Four, uh, while of but why, it needs a reboot. Man, did that original? Yeah, stink. it was terrible. Yeah. Um, I and, never saw the Silver Surfer one. Uh, it's not it. good. Yeah. Um, but and while I enjoy sort of seeing what they do and I'm, of course, going to go and try, obviously, see anything. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's just me. Um, no, it's I, not just you. It's me and most of our listeners. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I because I know that there's so many amazing stories out there and very cool stories. And, you know, I. um I would like to see more of those made into films. Yeah. I think especially when you look at comicsology and um, the availability of a lot of indie comics and a lot of right. other properties that are being produced by 
some by people who are not involved in the comic book industry who aren't published authors and things like that there's um or youtube content you mm-hmm. know um we'll look at district nine the director of district nine he did a small sort of film about some of those issues before and was kind of discovered and all of that so there's there's a lot of really interesting new ideas that are coming out um but there is not only a, re- a reliance on franchises there's a lot of rebooting happening but and- i would also say though in addition to that uh, yeah so maybe hollywood is doing this but other people are not and so I think because of the the cost of making a film is now a lot lower it's astronomical and the, and, well no but you could make your own independent oh, I mean, film independent films um, yeah yeah absolutely and you can also distribute it on your own um, yeah. I don't know if you caught but Joss Whedon is putting yes. out his own his own thing and he basically said oh, I'm not going to bother with the regular route I'm just going to put this online um, and I think you're going to see more and more of that and I think that 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 content is out there and it's going to get more prevalent and it has gotten more prevalent but from the big Hollywood movie studios I think you're going to see this trend continue yeah and as as we talked about in in that uh, blockbuster episode as George Lucas and Spielberg sort of predicted I think the movies that we do see in the theater are going to be huge they're going to cost a lot of money that middle realm of movies that are a bit smaller uh, middle budget those are disappearing and so I think you're going to see a lot of small budget films that um that people are putting together that are on demand in some format or another. And the stuff we end up seeing in the theater is going to be the more big budget, um, dependable franchise stuff. So like when does, I think you and I are going to talk a lot about uh, (laughs) reboots that worked well in our top five. What about reboots that stink? Like what, what makes you mentioned one of them um, or two of them rather. Which one? Well, they're not technically reboots, I guess it's just using the same storyline and content. So I can't, um, but it's the the G.I. Joe and Transformers thing, so I guess I can't really go there. But um, what what makes for a bad reboot in your? Well, you know, I, I guess well one that I can use, which it was it was based on a, a childhood show of mine, but that would be Land of the Lost. Oh, I never saw the the Will Ferrell one. Uh, yeah, Is that one? And, yeah, I never you know, saw it. it. Not that I really had high hopes. It's Land of the Lost, so it's supposed <laughs> to be ultimately cheesy and whatever. But um, I love the theme song to that. Original. The theme song was great. Um, it was one of those Land of the Lost. <laughs> but it was one of those shows that you know you watched as a kid, probably because you were a kid. There were certain creepy, super creepy things about it, and I just felt like the 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 reboot was just this horrible line after line okay well we're gonna do this we're gonna do this it's sort of like you're not doing anything new with it you're just sort of trotting out the main things they've got nothing to add they have nothing to add to to the storyline they have nothing to add to the franchisers like not that land of the lost is really a franchise but you know what i'm saying like like there's nothing to add to that storyline um incredible hulk is definitely one of my pet peeves there were elements in both the film by ang lee um, not many, but some that I liked. Um, and then the other film by um, Louis Leterrier Le that had uh, that had Edward Norton in it. Um, there were aspects that I liked of both those films, but it's just sort of like, why are you doing this? <laughs> there was no answer to that question. It just... That's that's a great point, and I think that gets to what you were saying about Psycho is. Um, 
there was nothing really being added to this film. And the uh, io9's got a great article about why reboots fail. And one of the things that I like that they talk about is how um, the original was a product of its time. So that makes me think of Clash of the Titans, mm. the original and now the remake. Um, and one of the things that made Clash of the Titans so unique and interesting was how revolutionary its special effects were. Right. You know, the skeleton sequence, that that's a very vivid memory from my childhood of seeing that. And The Evasion, which was a remake of The Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which was a political commentary about that era. And the the remake uh, with Nicole Kidman just really lost all of that. And there was nothing new being added here. And, and then I'm thinking about uh, the worst. Can I give you my worst? Yeah, Are you ready for absolutely. this? Absolutely. The one that I hate the most because I love the franchise a lot is 2001's Planet of the Apes. Ah, uh, you know what? I was about to talk about that. But I was actually about to talk about that as um, a comparison between that and then how they basically were able, not make up for it, but I felt like Rise, Rise of the Planet of the, Planet of the Apes, in some ways, it's like it healed the wounds created it did. So <laughs> why, to some extent. Why didn't the remake work for you and what was it about Rise that was different? Well, I think part of what you were saying just about the film being a product of the time, the Charlton Heston, Planet of the Apes was definitely, there were, there were things about it that were, revolutionary in terms of how they were doing their filmmaking and the the whole idea like what makes you human and there was a lot of stuff going on from politically during that time and then it just felt like i don't know like you blow it up you bastards yes, yes. and so i felt like the remake and i was i admit i was just so sad i was so disappointed in tim burton very frankly um um it I was, was too. the makeup was you know just really cartoony the way that they the way i felt they portrayed the apes wasn't nearly as human as the original as the original yeah um the yeah. script i felt was terrible i just it, you didn't feel the things that i felt watching the first film yeah um and i remember watching the first film and being really honestly a bit traumatized just by how the the characters were treating treating other yeah. characters and you know i think it was definitely a, a commentary on civil rights no mm -hmm. um which is kind of creepy if you think about it mm -hmm. actually and a little bit insulting um but um it was it ventured into these territories that were very relevant for its time and i think what the, the mistake tim burton made is he was trying to follow some of the structural narratives of the original and to try to have a big twist ending right right and that was that was the the biggest offense to me is planet of the apes is not about the twist ending no, no it's got a it's got an it's amazing about the guts of the main storyline yes it's about the uh, the what the film is really the message of the film and the met i didn't there wasn't any clear message to the um to the remake and uh, to make it worse the ending may had no internal consistency with the storyline no. it didn't make sense that he travels back in time there is this lincoln memorial he walks in but it's to an ape and then there's these eight police officers the only point of that is to try to recreate the surprise and that that is what made me feel like tim burton just didn't 
get it. He Which didn't is get surprising the because he gets a lot of other things. Yeah. And that's, you know, again, the thing I want is for it to be true to the core. And to the core, Planet of the Apes is a political commentary. This probably gets into Rise of the Planet of the Apes and why I think you and I probably liked Rise is, and again, I think the ape stuff is better in Rise than the human stuff, but I felt like this was a modern film that was true to the, it honored the canon. You saw the space shuttle go up. You saw things happening. And it, this could, some might argue it's a prequel and not a reboot. And again, whatever. But um, it was, it had a modern, fresh take. It had something new to say. This was a story of how this whole process got started. And I know there's, in one of the Planet of the Apes sequels, the original kind of versions, they kind of talk about how this whole process got started. And so this is where I do think this is a reboot. Um, but it, it, it felt modern and fresh. And it was taking us into new territories that we hadn't seen in apes before. Right. And not to pick on Tim Burton, but he also did um, he did a remake or reboot of Dark Shadows, which was truly terrible <laughs> um <laughs> and dark shadows was this this vampire soap opera that i remember watching and being terrified by um when in the in the well i don't want to date myself but it was in the 70s pretty much um but it it, it was like this gothic weird soap opera and so he decided he was going to reboot it as a film with johnny depp of course um and <laughs> It was sort of like he did that same thing. He did like he it was like he didn't quite get what the original storyline was and he made it silly and and it was silly. The the whole show was ridiculously silly and tried to be super dark and gothic and like I think he tried to take a more humorous turn of that but never really got a good sense of what he was trying to do with it like why are you trying to make this yeah like what what is the point other than to say haha or have fans go oh haha I remember that um and so I think that that's that's right, that when you're trying to remake something, you have to have something new to add to the conversation. Yeah. Like, you know, I think about and th this is why I'm not necessarily against reboots. Um, reboots are a part of stories and fiction and narrative and performances. If we look at um, at Broadway shows. Oh, yeah. There's a ton of Broadway revivals that are new versions of of productions that have happened in the past. One of my favorites was, uh, you know, we talked about Harry Potter last week, um, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. This is a, um, a remake or a revival, I should say, of uh, this classic show that is beloved, and it was starring Daniel Radcliffe. And it was done in a very fun way. Um, it was sort of a fun sort of commentary on this kind of Mad Men era and this fascination that we had now have with the 60s. Um, and there was new things that they had. There was new advances in production technology with live performance. We see this with Shakespeare. Um, stories that we know and we're familiar with are redone in new and interesting ways, you know? Um, we see this with West Side Story. I can go on and on about the musical theater stuff. But um, reboots in themselves aren't bad. Um, it, I think it's the execution. It's and the if execution. You're, and if you're just basically like, okay, I think it's very clear when people are just dialing it in. And, sure. And don't have anything to add to the conversation. And, and you can kind of pluck those out and just, you know, immediately identify them and get out of there. Um, but it's, it's um, I think that they have a place. I also enjoy them um, when they're done well. Um, but I, I do understand why it's so, 
it's it's a minefield to some extent if you're not doing it correctly. So there's a few franchises that have never been rebooted. And I think the biggest example is Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, that's... although, however, uh, a little while ago, it was announced that the expanded universe, which was all the books, the comics, the video games and all of that, they were no longer going to be. They're going to be basically not considered in the new movies. Right. That the canon is only the six movies. But I don't think that's a reboot necessarily. Because mm. George Lucas never really officially said that the expanded universe is canon. He never said that. Um, I know a lot of people are upset about it. <laughs> but do you think we're ever going to see a Star Wars reboot now that it's in the hands of Disney? Oh, I don't know. I think perhaps you will, honestly. Far enough into the future. Yeah. You know, what might be more realistic, what might be sooner is not a lot of people talk about this, but Disney buying Lucasfilm, they also own Indiana Jones now. Yeah, I know that there's been some discussion. I think that they uh, basically quashed that rumor, but I could see that happening. And at some point they tried to do a television series, um, which was the actually... The young Indiana Jones. And it was supposed to star River Phoenix at one point. Oh, yeah. And then they yeah. rebooted that and because they obviously couldn't because River Phoenix had died. Yeah. Um and then there were other things. That going show on. was actually there were some good episodes. Of right, that. I and then so it. then they did the show without yeah. obviously much later on. Um, oh, so are you? Wait, are you saying that they wanted the actor of that show to go on and do new movies later on? Oh, I no no. I'm just oh. saying that like you know I could just because of the interest in the franchise, I could see that happening again. Like yeah. I could see them doing yet another series. Um, well, the, the Mummy was sort of trying to be a modern Indiana Jones and now that's getting rebooted. Yeah, like rebooted <laughs> really? It hasn't been um, that many. I mean, it has been, I guess, if you think about it, but it's still like, really? That's yeah. that's kind of crazy. Um, um, one, just in terms of successful reboots, though, that I really have truly enjoyed was Battlestar Galactica. Um, obviously, Doctor Who. Um, and they, they tend to be more television shows where they can go in different directions and Star Trek. Um, you know, and I've enjoyed many iterations of that franchise. Um, and you know, it's gen overall, I've generally liked the reboots where they have happened. Um, it's, it's actually interesting to see where people put their foot down though, about certain reboots. Um, yeah. and what I am thinking about is when, um, they were announcing that they might be doing a new Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mm. but without Joss Whedon and mm -hmm. obviously totally reboot with, with new actors and whatever. And there was just such an insane uproar that they very quietly put that, that away <laughs> and decided that they weren't going to do that. Yeah. Um, and so... I mean, some of this is the timing issue, right? Yeah. Like, sure, reboot Buffy in 20 to 30 years. Right. I think um, the characters... And, and, you know, it was very funny because Joss Whedon actually gave this somewhat tongue-in-cheek, not somewhat, it was totally tongue-in-cheek interview about, oh, reboots, how could you do that and whatever, while he was working on the Avengers. <laughs> and he was, he made jokes about that. Just, yeah. you know, just that, you know, it's going to happen, so... Yeah. Um, what's more, what's also interesting, the, the things that have not been made or cannot get made or cannot get off the ground. Um, and uh, Wonder Woman is is mm. the one that I'm thinking of that we've heard rumors about this for many years. There, there was this terrible pilot um, that it's very recently it was recent and it was so bad. And now that now they're talking more about a film and oh, and she's in and Wonder she's Woman's in, in the Man of Steel sequel the Man sequel. of Steel sequel yeah. so yeah so um, it's so it's fascinating to see how all of this comes to pass yeah you know it's 
There's even talk a couple of weeks ago, um, one of the co-creators of Lost said, um, I think it's likely at some point ABC will want to reboot Lost because it's uh. a valuable franchise. And so, like, you know, it's I think the change we've seen recently is the time between the original work and the reboot. And that time seems to be getting shorter and shorter. And that we definitely agree with is fair criticism of Hollywood. Yeah. Sure. Re- again, reboot lost decades from now. I think the a concept and idea is interesting. Um, but to be talking about rebooting Buffy or Lost or um, as we're just about to get into Spider-Man um, and X-Men so recently, that's the that's where I kind of raise my eyebrow. Yeah. And and, kinda... and and it's sort of like you want to have enough time pass between the original and the reboot. I think that that is something that that is important because, for example, especially when I'm thinking about Lost, part of the wonder of watching that show part of the mystery and suspense was not knowing what was going to happen at the end and so since that i guess it didn't wrap up that long ago or or wrapped up long enough ago that you're that you know there's an anniversary coming up um so maybe that's why they're now talking maybe they're just yeah maybe they just maybe they're drumming up some 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 chatter about that um but to me it's still too recent to to be doing that yet can i ask you a question sure what what's the one thing you do want to see rebooted i i would like to see wonder woman rebooted in the right way i would um i think that they could do it well i think it's weird that they haven't been able to at this point um but i also i think part of the reason why it has not is that it is a franchise that is is somewhat there's a lot of questions about it there's a lot of difficulty with it especially if you watch the original television series um there are things that are not pc about it um and there's the treatment of that character because she can be very divisive is going it's how that ends up being handled that will make it a success or a failure and i think that that's what the concern is to some extent um meanwhile marvel is like here is Rocket Raccoon. <laughs> you know, like know. Marvel's charging ahead with these weird, wacky things, and DC's like, well, we're not sure if yeah. we're ready for yeah. a Wonder Woman. Um, you know what I want to see? What? I want to see a reboot of Star Trek the Animated Series. I would love to see an animated take on Star Trek again. I think Star Wars Star Wars has now had two uh, animated series. Star, uh, Star Wars Clone Wars, and now they're coming out with Star Wars Rebels. Um, I really want to see a good quality version of an animated show, either set in um, the prime Star Trek universe or the Mirror Universe or the JJ-verse. Um, I think a- animated... Uh, productions have come so far since the um, one season of the original Scooby-Doo version of the Star Trek animated series. I would love to see what that looks like. Oh, we forgot to talk about Scooby-Doo. That was Scooby-Doo. Oh, Scooby-Doo had a little bit of a reboot. It did. It did. Um, But anyway, but, you know, so the long and the short of it is I don't have a problem with them. And I often enjoy reboots. But generally, I would like to see more original content because you know what? Life is short. You want to see more, more interesting stuff out there. Um, and that is, that's, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Well, I think that's a good segue to our crossover. Um, you ready? Are you ready to enter the infinite crossover chamber? Let's go, bub. Ooh, that was pretty good. That was a little Wolverine there. Um, in today's crossover, we've got X-Men First Class versus 
the amazing Spider-Man. And I think the natural question here is what's the better reboot? Hmm, well, you know what I'm probably going to say. I know what you're going to say. It's probably going to be close to what I'm going to say. But the reason we picked these two movies is they both have um, a follow-up coming up this summer. Now, for X-Men First Class, Days of Future Past, we're, we're almost there. It's almost out. Right. Um, and this is a bit of a, it's it's a sequel. Um, prequel. Prequel. Well, the, the, A little bit of everything. Right. It's <laughs> it's a sequel to X3. It's a prequel? Sort of. To, sort I guess of? sequel to both, actually. Sequel, it's a sequel to both. And then we've got The Amazing Spider-Man 2 coming out, which is a direct sequel to The Amazing Spider-Man. Right. So, um, And, you know, you could argue, we, we had a bit of a debate just about whether X-Men was, in fact, a reboot. Yeah. I think... It is a little bit of a reboot, but it's also a little bit of a relaunch. Yeah, so, I mean... It straddles those You've got things. Hugh Jackman making a cameo appearance as Wolverine in X-Men First Class, which is similar to Leonard Nimoy right. appearing. Right, so technically, I don't know. But in any case... That, it's tied. It, it's tied. But there is there are new actors. Right. There's some departures from what we've seen before. Right. The Amazing Spider-Man, there's no doubt about it. This was a reboot. There's no connection to the Sam Remy series. Right. You have a new actor. You have new villains. There's a new origin story. But uh, you're a new also, way of shooting webbing. But you're retreading the Spider-Man story. You're you're still yeah. trying to give an origin story. So you're you know it's it's definitely reboot reboot reboot. So uh, what did you think of both films? Um, you know, I actually, I went into The Amazing Spider-Man expecting to hate it. I love Sam Raimi. I actually really loved the Tobey Maguire um, rendition of Peter Parker and yeah, Spider-Man. Yeah, I did too. I, I did liked too. him generally. Um, I I liked Andrew Garfield but too. But I also really liked Andrew Garfield. I, I think overall in terms of the story, how it unfolded, um, the portrayal of his relationship... Um, with Gwen with Gwen was a little bit more interesting to me a little bit more believable Um, and I felt like his struggles coming into his powers and figuring out how to do the webbing and all of that stuff were the things that I really loved about Spider-Man and I know a a lot a lot of fans really appreciated how this movie did honor some of the original canon with um, Peter Parker making the webbing right. instead of it being and running natural. out and yeah. and things like that but, that but would happen to in in defense of the originals. Um, I think it's hard to believe that a little teenager would come up with the world's most strongest adhesive sort of particle, <laughs> right? And so the idea that it just it was a side effect of his uh, radioactive spider bite made sense to me. But I think there, so. There's some elements of the Amazing Spider-Man one. That you really liked. Right. Um, what I didn't like, and this is not just the not just something that I've noticed in this film, is that the action sequence after action sequence after action sequence, and this has happened a lot in different movies um, of late, especially those based on comic books, just these big, crazy, choreographed, long shots of CGI like stuff. CGI sequences, and it just feels like it goes on forever and doesn't really add that much to the film or the character building and, you know, montage action action scenes, I guess is what I would call them. Um, and 
you know, at the end of this, I was still left wondering, why did they need to reboot this again? Yeah, you know, I, I got to agree with you with with that. I think you know, there's there's moments where I'm like, oh, this is so cool. Like, there's a moment where he's kind of taunting the police. Mm-hmm. And, that and was fun. And that was, was very Spider-Man. Right. Um, and I I didn't like the skateboarding. I'm like, no. I'm from California. I'm from the land of skateboarders. And I thought that was kind of silly. Um, to me, I left that movie thinking... This did not really chart any new territory. Now, you're right, it did Gwen Stacy much better, and Emma Stone was the perfect actress for this. She was great. And, Um, and, you know, but then they wasted Dennis Leary. So it's sort of like, why even bother having him in there? I don't know. The whole purpose of The Amazing Spider Man was um, Sam Remy left Spider Man 4 because he couldn't make the timeline that Sony wanted. To get another picture out. So he's like, I can't do this, you guys. He left. And they're like, all right, we'll just start over. And in, I didn't think they needed to do the origin story again. No. Just pick up where this last one left off. Do it a little bit Batman Forever style, but better than Batman Forever. Um, but just kind of keep it moving along. You don't necessarily have to reboot it. So I went into The Amazing Spider-Man 2 um, just kind of feeling neutral about it. I left f- feeling kind of negative about it. Whereas with X-Men First Class, I went in feeling negative about it because we had just seen um, um, X-Men Origins Wolverine. Oh, well, which that was, was just a mistake. That was wonk, wonk, bad. Oh, it was so and bad. And X3, which I also wasn't happy about. So the X-Men franchise to me was sort of... Um, I-, I thought First Class was going to be dead on arrival. I did too. I actually was like, oh, great. They're making it. They're, they're rebooting it. They're rebooting it with just because they they knew that they screwed up yeah. on these two films, and they're just getting younger actors to appeal to a younger audience. Yeah. And I was pleasantly surprised. Oh uh, yeah, so was I. I was. So was um, I. I really loved the um, Professor Xavier, although he's not quite there yet. But I loved the Xavier Magneto interactions. Um, yeah. I loved uh, the mystique yep. um, character, uh, seeing the beast, seeing all of them basically come into these these mutation and powers from the mutations. I really loved that. Um, Fastbender, McAvoy, their chemistry really kind of paralleled and honored the chemistry between Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen. Yes, although nobody uh, can really challenge. No, 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 no. They're, 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 they're what, besties. What, what I would really like is to see a Fassbender McAvoy photo series of them They walking. need to parody the, the Patrick Stewart, Ian, Mel- Ian McKellen photos. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, why haven't they done that yet? I don't know. Maybe they haven't. We don't know about it. But oh they, my gosh. But, but they really should. That would be so, awesome. Anyway, so... Um, Mr. James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender, or your people, please do this. Right. The internet will go... The inter- You will win the internet yeah, you, if you, you can do really, this. Really, really yeah, you really, really will. Um, but in any case, I, I liked how they treated the characters. I felt like they did add a lot of new things to it. And new things that people who haven't necessarily read the storyline of X-Men could deal with and love and enjoy, um, as well as being true to 
some of the canon, but changing, but changing some things too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I really thought that it wasn't just dialing it in like the last stand was, um, yeah. and being like, Oh, let's show this power. Oh, let's just show this, you know, let's just shove in more mutants into it. And while there's a lot of mutants here, it explored that whole Cuban missile crisis, which I think was a great place to set the story. Right. And it explored that relationship between these characters. You got to see a little bit more about, um, how professor, X um, thinks and you said right. his and, relationship uh, with Mystique and his relationship with Mystique you also get to see why Professor X and Magneto diverge yeah in their way of thinking yeah and in their backgrounds actually yep. so it's it's a very interesting treatment of it I was pleasantly surprised and actually was like I, I think I might need to watch that again yeah which I never expected that no, I me did either. not think that that would be my reaction me either it had it had something interesting to say it's it's not my favorite x-men movie um, but it was probably the biggest surprise for me right and this is one reason why you and I keep um, talking about days of future past and what what makes it so exciting for us so um I think this is gonna be pretty clear what do you think is the best reboot obviously it's it's x-men yeah yeah it's it's x-men for me too and I am gonna see both days of future past as well as um, the amazing spider-man I gotta I, I mean I don't want to I don't want to dive into this but my um my excitement for x-men first class has been clouded a lot by um everything that's going on in the news Ooh. with with Brian Mine too, and I'm very conflicted. I <laughs> yeah. am totally conflicted. I we we've been talking about this. I've been seeing some more of the news stories coming out and I usually try to avoid the Hollywood rumor mill stuff generally cuz I just think it's so sensationalized. It's unfair that people should be t- dragged in the mud, I guess generally. Um but I also think that if there is any any truth to these claims, um, I honestly don't know what I'm going to do. I, I really have a very strong feeling about these sort of allegations and what it takes for, for victims to come forward with these things. And um, I'm, I'm just very disappointed overall. And, and I know that I shouldn't be giving credence to some of the stuff that's coming out, but... It is. It is very upsetting. Well, and uh, and it is admittedly making me less excited yeah. to see this film. You know, and um, Amazing Spider-Man Two just came out, so we will be reviewing it very soon on Super Fantastic Nerd Hour. Um, so we'll see. Maybe we'll walk out of this, and we'll have we'll like Amazing Spider-Man Two better than Days of Future Past. Who knows? Um, we'll, we'll, we'll find out. We'll stay tuned. But at least with the reboots, we're voting X-Men. Yep. All right. Um, let's exit the infinite crossover chamber. Okay. Going into our top five. So we're talking top five reboots. Um, and again, we defined reboots broadly speaking. Um, I went into a weird direction with my top five, Conrad. I'm just giving you a heads up. Um, I did... I, I tried to do my favorite reboots of different mediums. Hmm. So we'll see how that kind of plays out. And one isn't even like a a thing. It's <laughs> okay. So we'll kind of see. We got to start this out with you yeah. then. So what's your number five? All right. My number five is uh, 2013's Tomb Raider, the video game. Now, for those of you um, who are not familiar with this series, if this is a Laura, Kraft, um, Laura Croft 
action adventure third person game there's been a number of video games in this series and they've ranged from being um like bimbo girl kind of model shoot 'em up um to more indiana jones inspired archaeologist uh anthropologist type of action adventure the uh, the 2013 reboot um was um there's a lot of controversy with some of the comments uh, the one of the um, individuals involved made about a quote-unquote rape scene that wasn't actually in in the um, final game, but um, there, it started out with a lot of controversy, but it it ended with a lot of accolades. Um, mm. People were really talking about how this video game um, dives into the character of how this woman came to be and how she was really struggling with being trapped in this place and having to deal with the decision of defending herself and potentially killing other people. Um, it, it dealt with that story in an interesting way in which video games usually don't. And what's cool about it is the storyline, we don't know what's going to happen with the sequel, but the storyline continued with a Gail Simone comic book series. And so she's been kind of building on this. So it's the characters brought back in a, in a really interesting way, and I think it's going to set the tone for a cool new series of video games. And I wanted to have a video game here because video game sequels are often better than the original mm. and sometimes video game reboots are sometimes better than the original too so sometimes they're worse sometimes they're worse but almost always a video game sequel is usually better than than the original so that's my number five all right well i kept it mainly to television shows and films so uh, my number five was 10 things i hate about you um, mm. You were talking about Shakespeare and mm-hmm. reboots and that kind of thing. And, and it's based upon Tamio the Shrew. Yeah. And I thought that they did a very clever job at keeping the storyline of tra- tra- the Taming of the Shrew, but modernizing it with teenagers. And it was very well done. It is one of my, my guilty pleasures um, in terms of like uh, of films and um, I thought that the writing for this particular film was very well done. The pacing was well done, and they kept the themes pretty much true to the storyline. And it was, it was, you know, I think a lot of people didn't realize that that's what it was based on. Yeah, but yeah. it was, and and that actually is kind of a good sign. Yeah. Um, but so that of was, a reboot, yeah, of a reboot. So yeah. that was my number five. Good pick. Um, my number four. This is my weirdest pick. Um. My number four is 1997's Apple Computer, the company. (laughs) Nice, Ollie. So I was this morning as I was brushing my teeth and thinking about our top five, um, this idea popped up into my head. Um, uh, For those of you who are not familiar, Apple Computer was founded by Steve Jobs, Steve Wozniak. We talk a little bit about it in our geeky relationships top five from the Valentine's Day episode. Um... But it was founded by these two individuals, and then Steve Jobs was ousted by the the new CEO he brought. He sort of spent a decade doing his own thing, um, developing this other computer company, Next Computer, or Next Computing. And then in that meantime, Apple was really went into a different direction. They started making all of these clones, licensing out their software, their hardware. The company wasn't doing too well. Wired magazine said Apple is going to die. And that's when they brought back Steve Jobs and he did a complete reboot, fired their CEO, um, Gil Emilio. They completely, completely ended the product line. And Steve Jobs says, we're doing two things. We're going to make a personal computer, which went on to be the iMac, and we're going to make a pro computer. 
and that's it. What follows is this um, sort of um, golden age of Apple that led to the iMac, led to the iPod, led to the iPhone, and then the iPad. And, you know, unfortunately, Steve Jobs is no longer with us and people question what's going to happen with the future of Apple. And there's good questions to be made of that. But this rebooting was an absolute complete success. Um, cool. Um, I think I'm going to change one of mine now. Oh, interesting. Um, We've never had this before. A mid recording no i'm not gonna i'm gonna leave it no I'm gonna oh leave it. interesting you gotta um, tell me at the end what you so, so so i would just say you should share that that this is the way we're going for for the reboots because we could have we could have done some some more stuff but hmm. but my um are we on number four we're on number four um my number four is cosmos oh <laughs> i thought about buddy cosmos here that's oh okay so and so yeah, tell me. I know about we it. had a whole episode, and I'm yeah, not going to to go down that road. But no, you're right. It's a total reboot. It is a total reboot. It's the original and source material. It is the original source material, although obviously updated for some with new, new science. Science, um, but and a new host, obviously. But it is, I think, very uh, clear that they are honoring the original series with Carl Sagan. Yeah. Um, Neil deGrasse Tyson gets very sentimental and it, it is actually very sweet. Some yeah. of the some of the things that he says about Carl Sagan. Um, I feel like it does exactly what a reboot sh- should. It introduces new material, but stay has that heart and that canon. Um, and it's it's introducing it to a new group of people and also making the fans happy. Good pick. Um I like that pick a lot. Um, heading into uh, number three, um, my number three is Batman Year One. Mm. Um, now, the reason why I picked Batman Year One, I was debating between Batman Begins, the film by Christopher Nolan, and Batman Year One, the graphic novel. Uh, the reason I went with Batman Year One is it was a reintroduction of the Batman origin story mm. done in a way that um, is, I think, the definitive origin story of Batman and um, Christopher Nolan based some uh, some of his ideas about Bat- Batman Begins from Batman Year One so whenever whenever I talk to folks who want to get more into Batman and want to start reading Batman this is where I send them and this was a reboot a relaunch sort of a retelling of his origin story I think it's absolutely wonderfully done it makes Batman very accessible um, it's it's a great intro to re- it's a it's an accessible graphic novel too. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's 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 not like the Dark Knight Returns, which I think is a little bit more. Um, it's a little bit more complicated. You need to know a little bit more about the origins of Two Face and Joker. You need to know a little bit about other stuff there. While well, that's my favorite Batman story, Batman Year One is just um, it does all the things a reboot should. Cool. Um, my, uh, it, number three, number three still, um, is Battlestar Galactica. Um, uh, and I mentioned this, number one. uh, and I mentioned this in our, in our conversation yeah. and, and, um, it's, it is just well done. They added new material, they added new stories. I was very excited to see it, um, 
it really it, there were certain things I know that some fans got upset about in terms of what they Starbucks did. Starbucks supposed to be a man, right? But Boomer's I actually, supposed to be a man. But I actually really liked what they did with that. Yep. I liked their treatment yep. um, of of some of the different storylines, um, and I thought that overall it was just such a successful reboot. I was very impressed, and so many people who didn't expect to like that, especially non sci fi fans, really loved it. Um, so. That is my my number three. I love Battlestar Galactica. It's my number one pick. And um, it is it's a reboot that does a lot of things very well. It honors the source material. The source material is really it's not a story about, um, you know, what the Cylons were, because in this in the original, mm-hmm. we don't really know. And some people thought maybe they're lizards, maybe they're robots, maybe it's a combination. It, that's not what makes Battlestar Battlestar. What makes Battlestar is a story of survival um, in the response to this Holocaust and these refugees that are trying to find a new home. Hmm. That's what Battlestar is really about. But what makes this such a great reboot is it was exploring new territory. It's a show about this post 9-11 America and fighting terrorism. What do you do when you don't know what your enemy looks like? Right. It was a story about occupation in the Iraq war. And it did it in a way that... Um, change some of these characters but it changed it in a way that allowed it to chart new territory right and so it was really i just thought it was amazing well um, and it and it did it while still having these ambassadors from the canon richard hatch right was a, a guest star um that was a very interesting character that was a cool character that was such a cool character and the um the original theme you hear it when um, when there's that episode about the documentary that's right. being made. Uh, and so it's um, uh, what I also like about this as in terms it's it's a reboot in the sense of um, a rebooting the space opera. And Ronald D. Moore, who worked on Star Trek Next Generation and then Star Trek Deep Space Nine, he wanted to make an anti Star Trek. Right. He wanted to make something that explored areas that he couldn't with with Star Trek. He also wanted it to be filmed not like a space opera. He wanted the music not to be um, like a space opera. And in all those ways, from the beautiful Bear McCreary um, score to the sort of shaky cam docudrama type of shooting with the visual effects, um, it was an absolute success. Yeah, there's a few episodes that aren't that good. Uh, Black Market. I'm looking at you, uh, <laughs> but uh, hey, I love... but look at the length of the series. You're gonna, oh, you're gonna have to deal with it. Yeah. Um, well, that's that's cool. Not mind meld, but almost. Um, number two. My number two is Sherlock. Mm, good pick. I like that. Um, I didn't even think about Sherlock. It's just the to me it's the You're ultimate. Talking about BBC Sherlock. Yes, yeah. of course. Um, it's the ultimate to me it's the ultimate reboot um, because it takes these characters, it takes some of the canon, even some of the themes of the show, and and you can see the titles of some of the the episodes, and they're they're basically sticking with and and you know I know some people there is their their friend Sherlock Holmes and certain films and things like that, and you know. Sherlock's been rebooted many times. I think this is the most successful iteration. I agree. Um, you've got very modern dialogue. You've got them using modern devices as as points in in the storyline, like texting and yeah. um, different things, you know, and, and his evidence and, and adding in a modern touch to things. But you're still keeping the basis of the character and you are adding something new. You're making Sherlock somewhat of an Asperger-esque character. Um 
you which know, is a new way of thinking which about is a new way, Sherlock. And it makes you think about Sherlock very differently. Um, yeah. You have a new way of looking at his brother. Um, you have a new way of looking at his enemy. Yeah. Um, so it's it's to me this is a very successful reboot, and it really honors the canon because these stories not only fuse in new ideas like texting, um, but they also are following the pattern of the original works. Right. Sir right. Arthur Conan Doyle. So so it's enough of new material and a new commentary that makes it very interesting while still staying true. Yeah, to, if, to the, the the original thought process, and this is why I think it's much more successful than, say, Elementary, absolutely, or even the the Sherlock films that came out with Robert Downey Jr. and and Jude Law. So, and for the new listeners, if you haven't yet, um, and you're a fan of Sherlock, check out our Sherlock episode because this is what we dive into. Right. Um, I mean, we really geek out on that episode yeah, about Sherlock. Do. So we can move on, but that was that was my number two. No, good pick. Um, my number two is, I'm going to briefly go over it because I know we're talking about this in more detail in the future, but my number two is, uh, 2009 Star Trek. And, um, the, <laughs> I deliberately stayed away from it because I knew we would be talking yeah. about it in the future. Obviously, yeah. I think that this is one of the most successful reboots ever, but go for it. And there's so much I, I can say about this one. Um, and I'm, I'm going to start by saying what I don't agree with. And I was at a panel, um, at WonderCon about reboots and there was an individual on that panel who said, um, the Star Trek, the new Star Treks are stupid. And the reason why they're so stupid, it, he said, it all comes down to this example. It, the, the first J.J. Abrams movies, movie opens, uh, Captain Robow up, comes on the view screen and there's this bright light coming in and he goes, polarize the view screen and then everyone polarizes it and they're like, oh, phew, wow, we're glad the captain polarized the view screen because we didn't know what to do before the captain got here. And he's like, that is an example of why this universe is so stupid and why, like, someone should have polarized a view screen before the captain was there. And I'm like, you know what? That is such a irrelevant point. point. <laughs> to me, it's not about these kind of details. To me, it's about the characters. It's about the universe. And I was so afraid of this movie. I was so anxious about it. And when I walked into it, I thought, boy... Here we have, again, the optimistic view of the future. Here we have, again, the core of the characters of Spock, of Bones, of McCoy, of Ahura, of Sulu, of all of these people. And we have some new, interesting directions that's going in. This Star Trek did a much better version of being a post-9-11 story right. about talking about ideas related to trauma with Spock, talking about ideas of a terrorist attack related to destruction of Vulcan, then did Star Trek Enterprise, which tried to do the same thing with the Zindi and attacking Earth and all of that. I thought it was a very modern take that refreshed the franchise while still honoring the canon by creating this separate parallel universe and having Spock Prime sort of being the ambassador. And that's something we keep talking about, whether it's Hugh Jackman and X-Men, Spock over here. Um, there's a link back to the original. Um, I love this because it honors the characters, it honors the universe, and it's charting a, a new course forward. Was Star Trek in the Darkness as successful? wait for a future Star Trek episode. Um, I, I have some mixed feelings about that, but um, this version was great. Huh. Well, that, that leaves your number one. My number one, it's not necessarily one, but it one thing that I chose, although it is, if you think about it in that term. Um, but my number one is the Dark Knight franchise. Mm. 
and you're, you're grouping all of them. Into, I'm grouping okay. all of them because I'll, I, I'll I, give you that because I did Apple computer. So, <laughs> but I also view those as basically Batman. Um, any of the uh, any of the films which were made with regard to Batman um, up until that point, in my opinion, were very cartoony, very not. You know, there were things about them that were just not. They're not treating. Uh, to me, the Batman, the comic book series, um, also the animated series, has a lot of depth to it. It's, yeah. It can be very dark. Um, and I don't feel like those earlier iterations of the films, while there were sometimes pieces that I liked in them, they never made me feel like I was watching Batman. Um, mm. You know, sometimes I think Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne was very good. And, close and, points, yeah. and there were sometimes when they showed there was certain storytelling that I enjoyed. But as a whole, it they overall very much disappointed me in terms of trying to see that character on screen and trying to see those storylines on screen. I feel like Christopher Nolan did a very good job at And, you know, I guess you could argue with me about the reboot thing, but... Um, no, it's a reboot. I'm not arguing. I think it's a reboot. Um, yeah. And to me, his Batman was much more realistic. Um, it was much more... It was dark, Um they definitely had moments where there was sense, a sense of humor about what they were doing, but to me, it was it was more of the Batman that I was looking for. This was the Batman I was looking for. <laughs> um, he may need a throat lozenge at times, <laughs> but um, I just felt like overall, where were we? <laughs> I just felt like Scooby's gonna do. Like overall, <laughs> that storyline unfolded much more. Um, to me, what it should, what it should be like in my mind, and just what I had been picturing. Um, yeah, definitely. Did I have problems with some of the Catwoman things? Yes, but overall, this was more what I was looking for from Batman. Yeah, my uh, what I like about so here's why I think I can easily give you the three films as a Dark Knight. Um, I mean, if you look at Batman Year One, which was my pick, um, these came out as a collection of comics that were then put into a compilation of a graphic novel. Um, if you look at these three films together, they do form a cohesive story about um, the origin of Batman, um, his greatest challenge, and sort of the um, the end of this character um, and where the where the character goes. So I think it, they work as a cohesive story very well. Um, I love that series. Um, I love it tremendously. Um, there's a lot of problems with The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, as there a were, film. and and I mean um, that's why you know what I, I and and that overall. I was disappointed in that. Yeah. Um, and but it still works as a cohesive story. Yeah. It does. So it, that's that's why I picked that. We're good. We, I, I agree. Yeah. So You have an honorable mention, Conrad? I have um, one. Go for it. <laughs> All right. Again, weird picks. Wibbly wobbly. My honorable mention is Radiohead. Band. <laughs> <You> weirdo. <laughs> Here's why I picked Radiohead. Um, uh, this is a band. My honorable mention is Dave Grohl. <laughs> Here's my rationale. My rationale is um, with um, every few years, the band has kind of reinvented themselves, which I think is hard to do as a musical artist. A lot of people have tried. Mm -hmm. Not many have succeeded. They've also done a lot of experiments. So while they had the success of Creep and The Bends, um, you know, they did 2007's In Rainbows, which are the kind of released on the Internet for Mm -hmm. whatever you want to pay. Um, And so... 
even their recent work is like experimentation with music, with music, not just with business models. So I think it's a great model for how people can experiment and not get stuck with one way of doing things. Well, then David Bowie should just be the ultimate reboot artist. <laughs> he can be the Goblin King. He can be a Martian. <laughs> He you can, can be a glam rock. He could be just super cool. I can give you that. No. Um, but in terms of reboots, I mean, we, we've talked about most of the, like, I guess the only honorable mention that really was spring to mind. Um, but part of why I didn't put this down is that, you know, I think we see a lot of shows that start out in the UK and they get rebooted in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and The Office was the one that, that came to mind. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know if you could, you know, so, so and it made it its own thing since the BBC Office was a very short series. Um, it basically became its own um, series that was loosely based on that canon, but just continued a story and added something new. Um, I admit I was skeptical when I heard about it, um, and I did not follow it all the way through, but I think that they did a very good job at reinventing those characters. I think that's a good pick. I totally forgot about The Office, mm. and I think I don't think it ended as strong as it started, but um, it just uh, just the length of the series speaks to how successful that reboot was. Right. Yeah. So cool. that is it. So until next time. Yeah. Well, if you guys have any reboots you'd like to talk to us about, um, find us on Twitter at Nerd Hour or come to superfantasticnerdhour.com. Um, you can reach me on Twitter as well. Ali Matu or at brainknowsbetter.com where I am the science fiction psychologist. Conrad, where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter. I am Die Prince and I am also sometimes, well, no, I am also found um, at my other podcast. If you like things zombies and, and horror and that kind of thing, um, it is reanimatedpodcast.com. And on Twitter, we are reanimatedpcast.com. And I do that with my friend, Stuart Tiffin. Very cool. So um, we'll probably be talking about some of these movies we alluded to that are coming out soon as the summer movie season is now getting started. So I'm pretty excited about that. And until next time, live long and prosper. Indeed. Indeed.